the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen not by others but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, Lord Christ. Open my lips, O Lord, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. Let us pursue the Holy One with new and contrite hearts, that our broken lives might bear witness to your glory, our Creator, our Redeemer, and our Inspirer. Amen. Amen. At an acceptable time, I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation, I have helped you. 2 Corinthians quotes the 49th chapter of Isaiah, 11 chapters before our first reading today. Both readings are understood by scholars to have been a part of 2 Isaiah, a portion of Isaiah that was composed and compiled in Babylon during the exile following the destruction of the first temple, where much of 1 Isaiah was composed and compiled. Today, the ruins of Babylon can be found some 50-odd miles south of Baghdad. But back in the day, Babylon was the superpower in the region. 
numerous residents of Jerusalem had been taken captive and carried as slaves to this ancient city that for a time was the largest in the world, boasting a population of over 200,000. For context, if we here in Arlington had been taken captive and forced to take a journey of a similar distance this past winter, we might have found ourselves celebrating Mardi Gras in New Orleans rather than here in Northern Virginia. And given that the Fertile Crescent was not a straight line, but rather an arc-shaped jungle or forest that surrounded a scorching desert, the preferred mode of travel from Jerusalem to Babylon likely followed the Euphrates River along a longer route than one just taken as the crow flies. It's as if our travels to the Big Easy took us overland to Illinois before getting on the mighty Mississippi as a conduit southward to New Orleans. Dislocation, grief, tragedy. These are the context in which the prophet Isaiah sees people asking God, why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? The people are in pain and confusion, honestly asking God why this could have happened. And if I'm being honest, it feels like a valid question. Why are they stuck in a foreign land without any clear reason for being there? Why hadn't God intervened before that point to get them out of there? Back to Jerusalem, back home sooner. It's hard for me to disagree with this very poignant line of reasoning. And let's dig into the text. Isaiah actually doesn't offer a direct response. The subsequent verses in Isaiah selectively critiques the practice and purpose of some people's fasting and then subsequently clarifies what truly faithful fasting or faithful practice means and accomplishes. The second person addressed in that second full paragraph in our first reading is the one who the text tells us oppresses all his workers. Thus, if we think about it, this is an individual who has employees, who has house help or apprentices or underlings. This person being critiqued is either running a business of some scale or able to live life in such creaturely comfort that others can be employed to help address the daily tasks of life. And the critique itself is that Isaiah doesn't like any unfair treatment or oppression of those workers. What does the next sentence tell us? The person being critiqued is someone who fasts only to quarrel and fight and strike. The fasting is, is paired rather awkwardly and unpleasantly with violence, whether physical, emotional, or mental. Isaiah then goes on to give us a vision of the kind of practices that will make our voices heard on high. 
sharing our bread with the hungry, bringing the homeless poor in for shelter, clothing the naked and showing up for our families, whether biological or chosen, to help our friends and families in, the time, in their times of need. These are the faith practices that loose the bonds of injustice. When 2 Corinthians declares, see, now is the acceptable time, now is the day of salvation, the letter is expressing a truth of what has been and is being accomplished. It's said in the past tense of the biblical Hebrew found in Isaiah. In English, we might hear a past tense conveying an action that happened entirely in the past. But in Hebrew, the past tense also carries a connotation of an action that is complete in itself, not incomplete. Completion is more important than whether or not it happened entirely in the past. When Isaiah says, in effect, that God has listened to us at an acceptable time, God has helped us on a day of salvation, Isaiah is conveying that God's listening, God's help, has already been accomplished. The work has already been completed outside the limited time and space of our lives in this world. We may not see it from where we are right now, but the reconciling work is already accomplished by God who entered into our humanity and our brokenness. The reconciling work has already been done by God who helped the people start and expand their own small businesses in Babylon to begin to rebuild their lives. The reconciling work has already been done by a God who fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. The reconciling work has already been done by a God who carried the cross to the top of Calvary Hill. The reconciling work has already been done by a God who was dead and buried in a tomb for three days. The reconciling work has already been done by a God who rose again to new life. The reconciling work has already been done by Paul and his friends who endured affliction and hardship and ill repute. We are invited to join this reconciling work that has already been done. We are invited to be reconciled to God. God's grace and forgiveness are freely offered and freely given but those who have worked together with Christ in the past are urging us to not accept this grace of God in vain today. We are urged to begin our own journey into the wilderness these next 40 days. We are urged to make amends as we can to take up those secret practices that we don't do for any outward credit, but that we still do so that we can continue to build upon and deepen that relationship with the mysterious Holy One who sees all our secrets and calls us to go beyond the shallow pretenses of this world to get a glimpse of God's perspective on things. Today we are offered the grace of a new beginning with God's help, God's salvation, and God's listening available to us as we make the journey. 
remembering in all things, in our wholeness as well as in our brokenness, in our success as well as our failure, that the eternal redemption has already been accomplished, that the Redeemer has already made a way for us, bridging the gap between heaven that is beyond time and space and earth with all its limited conceptions of justice and peace and grace. God is making a way for us to witness and live something of heaven's salvation in the dust and earthiness of our humanity. Each year, we hear it said, Remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And this year, 2 Corinthians reminds us, See, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Amen.